0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Get Me Started podcast. Today's episode is a guest episode with the lovely Belle Johnson. Before we begin today, I'd first like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, who are the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to any Indigenous persons listening today. Sovereignty was never ceded and this land was, is, and always will be traditional Aboriginal land. I'd encourage all of my listeners to do some research and understand more about the land on which they live, work, and socialise on. Now, this episode features the lovely Belle, who is actually calling in from New York City. Uh, It's 2pm for her, um, and it's 6am for me, so excuse the little uh, husky voice on my end. How are you going, <laughs> Belle?
1: Yeah, good. Just, you know, chilling on this fine, snowy Sunday afternoon. So nowhere else I'd rather be, basically.
0: I love that. You're my first um, international guest, which is like exciting for myself, but hopefully also exciting for you. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no,
1: I, I feel very um, honoured to be here and it's my first time doing this. So if I mark anything up, I'm so sorry to anyone.
0: <laughs> um, I'm sure you're going to be wonderful. Belle and I met in one of our first classes of university together and we've been yeah. friends ever since, which is quite crazy. Uh, Belle is Mm -hmm. probably one of the most determined and hardworking people I've ever met. She just has a very much head down, bum up, get this done attitude. And she's carried that through her study, through her work, through her personal life in every single way. Um, She's somebody who I admire greatly because she knows herself very well. And she always puts out this... um, you know, image of being very self-assured and very clear about where she's heading and where she wants to go. And even though I know that that's not always necessarily the case and there's always learning curves to be had, she's a powerhouse of a woman and she's someone that I'm very proud to call one of my very close friends. So I'm really interested to hear... Oh, what an intro.
1: (laughs) It's all true. It's amazing. It's all so on it.
0: (laughs) It's all so true. Um, Very interested to hear her thoughts about being a woman in business, being young, being fresh and being female Mm -hmm. and working in a corporate industry. Um, And that's what Mm -hmm. Belle is here to talk to us about today. So so Belle, um, what about this topic gets you started?
1: Um, I think what gets me started most about this topic is that it's just me. Like a young woman in business is literally what I do what I am all day every day and I've been really passionate about you know my career growth and all of that for basically as long as I can remember and so it's really important to me that all women are supported in business you know in whatever career path that you want to go on and especially young women because I think it's really easy Um, When you're getting started in business to kind of, you know, doubt yourself and obviously get into a little bit more detail a little bit later on. But that is pretty much what gets me started is that I am a young woman in business and I'm super passionate about it. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, it's been a core thing, I think, in our entire relationship as well. Our experiences
1: definitely at at
0: work and being taken seriously and like progressing ourselves and our careers in industries and in a world which doesn't always reward that um for you know definitely women in their 20s -hmm. to have that sort of mindset already so yeah for sure we mentioned that you're in New York and that obviously ties in to your whole journey with the topic so can you talk a little bit about like your personal story and like how you've ended up where you are now and like how that's influenced yeah how that's influenced your thinking about all of this
1: definitely so just to like backtrack a little bit, I am um, originally from like a country town, Mildura, and then I I knew that I wanted to sort of live in the city and go to university, but I, I actually thought I wanted to do law and that's how we obviously met. Um, so I moved to Melbourne and studying And then I was working at this clothing brand at the time and I really loved the brand. And then I managed to get moved up to head office um, because I was super determined, even just as like a casual sales assistant. I was always like really keen for hours and I was always, you know, there helping out and that was rewarded. And I, I moved up to head office and I literally just used to like pick, pack and dispatch orders. And that's kind of how it all got started. And I knew nothing about websites or anything to do with business, but I would, you know, you know just be in the office and like hear all the conversations and I was like wait this is so interesting like I think this is what I need to do and so I ended up switching um degrees to study business and then from there, that's kind of how I got started in business and I was, you know, working at the head office and started out as a sales assistant and then I moved to, like, the pick, pack, and dispatch and then um, I was working alongside other team members as, like, the social media assistant slash web kind of thing and then I just, the position just really progressed into um, the e-com marketing social media manager, which was super crazy at the time because I was really young in the scheme of things. I was probably only... 19 or 20 when I started working there and you know that's how I got started in e-commerce and I was like this is actually really cool like I find this really interesting. Um, Fast forward a few years and I was finishing up my university degree and I was at the point where I really wanted to do something different like I knew I needed to do something different but I just wasn't sure what it was and I'd always wanted to live overseas Um, my dad's originally from Sweden and so I've been lucky enough to travel a lot um, growing up and I was kind of like tossing up and I was like I kind of want to go to New York I I kind of want to go to London, like I really want to do New York but I'm a little bit nervous about it and I actually have a friend, um, call him Grandpa Greg and he like sat me down, we had a drink one day and he was like, why are you being so afraid to take the leap?" He's like, what can go wrong? And he was literally basically just like stopping a pussy, to put it bluntly, he's like, just do it. And I was like, okay. And then I decided to move to New York. And so I packed off my life in Melbourne and I had two suitcases and I moved over and I didn't know a single person in the city, but I was like, I am going to make this happen. I have a visa so I can work for a year. And I was like, I think this is what I want to do for my next career step. And I was like, ultimately if it all just fails, I can just move back to Australia. And I'm very lucky to have a strong support system, family wise, and friend wise. And everyone was so supportive of it. Um, So yeah basically I just picked up and moved over here and there's like an Aussies in New York Facebook group and there's also an Aussie women in New York Facebook group. And I got connected to this random woman who connected me to this guy, Lewis, who I currently work with. And I ended up getting hired as a project manager. I think it was in like two or three weeks after moving here, which I was like shook by. I was determined to get a job, but even that I was like, okay, like this is kind of crazy. And so I'm still currently um, with one Rockwell today. So that's kind of, how I got started and that's my kind of journey to where I am now
0: I the thing that I'm going to have to do is interject and go back to that timeline slightly and preface a few things because you (laughs) were far too humble just then about the things that you've managed (laughs) to achieve in that like I want to go back even before uni like when I met Belle, at the beginning of uni, you know, she'd just come back from traveling. She'd been overseas for a long time. But Mm -hmm. before she went traveling, she was working, what was it, three jobs at one time? Yes, I
1: was. I was working like 60 hours, 60 to 70 hours a week just to make enough money to save to go traveling. Yes, that is correct.
0: Which, for one, grounds the foundation of like your work ethic, obviously being very, you know, settled and very clear. And then in the fact that yep. you changed universities, I remember that discussion that I had with you, We'd met at um, uni and then you were going to change to a different uni. And the thing that I mm. recognized in you at that point in our friendship was just like a real sense of self where you were like, no, mm-hmm. I have a feeling I need to yeah. be here instead of here and I'm gonna do it even though it seems to some people like a weird decision or the wrong decision or it didn't fit the narrative of like oh no but this university is you know more prestigious so you should stay here you were like no it doesn't give me what I want so why am I gonna stick Mm -hmm. around um
1: yeah sometimes forget that I actually switched unis I'm always just like yeah I went into business and that was kind of that but it's Yeah, that is true that i remember sitting down chatting about it and i was like oh because i was tossing up at the time because i was like i don't love what i'm doing like i really wanted to do law and like arts was the way in but i was like it's just not meshing with me and i knew in my soul that i was like there's something wrong and then i was kind of tossing up because i was like if i move now then i've thrown away a whole year of study which is like a third of the degree so i was like oh and that was really frustrating because i didn't i wouldn't really get anything credited um so i remember just being like oh i just said like do i fit the narrative and just finish the degree and then figure out what to do or do i take a step back and in inverted commas you know go back to the start be a first year again and then you know add an additional year technically so yeah that's actually i totally forgot that i actually did change universities
0: <laughs> and then when you started at that first clothing brand you actually got me a job there mm-hmm. as well and we worked together yes um which was a huge thing for myself. But then watching you like being internal to the company and then watching you progress in the way that you did was really unique. I think because mm-hmm. I understood yep. the frustrations and the sort of like culture of yep. the brand, maybe more so than mm-hmm. other people did because I was working right. in the store mm-hmm. still and you were suddenly the person who I was calling at head office when I needed something. Right. Yeah. Um, which was always a <laughs> yeah. funny little like, you know, turnaround. Um, but even in that yep. you were studying full time. And you were working Mm -hmm. eventually pretty much full-time alongside that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was technically part-time, but I would rack up basically full-time hours. Some weeks I would get up to, like, the 35-hour mark. Some was, like, the 30. But, yeah, by the end of my degree, which is, yeah, I was probably doing at least, like, yeah, 30 to 35 hours. Yeah. And studying full-time.
0: Yeah. And so... Belle is someone who inspired me to be the person that I am now who gets up at 5 a.m. and is happy to, you know, do stuff <laughs> early in the morning because when we were friends in uni, you know, yeah, she she loves a good night out have a great time on the weekends. But at the same time, yep, definitely during the week, Belle was that person who was up at five, had worked out, had had breakfast, mm-hmm. was doing uni work and then would travel to her job, work her job, come home, study. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it wasn't. I don't know. You never, it never seemed to be a consideration. It was just, this is what has to get done. So it will be done.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think I was definitely lucky in the sense that I was really passionate about what I was doing and I didn't love university overall, but I knew that it had a purpose. And at the time I was kind of like, I just need to do this. And my parents would always say like, just finish the degree because you, you, you will want that later. And I'm so happy that I did. But work-wise, I was so passionate about what I was doing. And I was so excited to be in the position that I was so early on in my career that, you know, obviously there was frustrations along the way, like no doubt, because it's work, it's business, it's life basically. But I was so excited to be in that position. I was learning so much every single day that it never felt like a chore because I was like, this is... This is going to lead me places. So, I, I want to do this. And so, I think I just ended up getting in the habit. And then, of the 5 a.m., I don't do the 5 a.m. anymore. It's 6.45 these days. So, I get a bit more of a sleep in. Um, but I think it really did come down to I was just so passionate about what I was doing. And I knew that it was going to pay off in the future. And even university, as I said, like I really didn't want to finish the degree. I was like, I don't get why this is so important because I'm already doing what I want to do. So why do I need a piece of paper that is going to tell me what I already know how to do? And as I said, my parents were just like, just finish it, like trust us. And I'm so glad that I did because I actually needed the degree to get a visa to work in the States. And I had never thought about that at the time. And I would not have been able to move over when I did if I didn't have the degree. So I'm always grateful that everyone kind of pushed me along, just being like, it's only three years, like just get through it. Like it'll be worth it in the end. Um, and it was and in a different way than I thought, but I just needed that piece of paper and that piece of paper got me a job basically.
0: Yeah. And that's obviously like huge. That's, that's life-changing stuff. really. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And oh, sure. I don't know if
0: you, I might be putting you in spot here, but do you remember the, like any of the numbers from the growth that you had when you took over that clothing brands socials? Cause it was pretty big turnaround
1: yeah so the social media i can't remember the socials off the top of my head the e-com um basically when we like i first started working the online store it was still it was like what like six years ago or something now and so e-com wasn't as big as it is in general um but the site needed like a lot of work it was kind of like we just had a web store because we really needed one like that was the only purpose of it basically and that was quite common for brands back then Um, And then after we migrated over to Shopify, which I actually helped another woman do that migration. And then after that, I kind of took on the website and I'm pretty sure my, the, the year that I remember the most was that we increased sales by like 150%. And within the space of the year, me and this other girl that I used to work with, who was an absolute gun. Um, we managed to turn the online store from the least profitable store to the most profitable store within the space of a year, which was amazing. That also allowed the brand to expand and do other drop ship vendoring, you know, with Maya and Iconic and things like that. And so yeah, that's probably like, that's definitely one of my biggest achievements, you know, kind of stepping in. And at the time I, I really didn't know what I was doing, but like no one did. We were all just kind of like, let's figure it out. And then to come out with like such tangible results. And even now I have those on my resume and people look at them and like, that's really impressive. And I'm like, thank you. It's super exciting. Obviously it wasn't a one woman show. um, But it's always nice to look back and be like, you know, even so early on when it would have been so easy for me to be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I'm never going to get these kinds of results. I could have just given up, but we pushed forward and I was always so passionate about the online store and I was always advocating for it. And it really did show in the end. And I think the brand still thanks me.
0: No, I think they have a lot to thank you for in that because there's (laughs) something to be said for the fact that you were what, 22-ish? around that kind of ballpark. Yes. Mm-hmm. At the time yes. this was happening, yep. you were studying full time, like we just said, and you managed to achieve those kinds of results. Like you, you you put in a lot to that, yeah, to that position. And Definitely. I wanted to ask you about, I remember very vividly you having to assert yourself quite strongly in that position to mm-hmm. ensure that people took you Definitely. seriously, to make sure that you were getting yep. paid the way that you need to be getting paid. Um, and to also Definitely. get like the support you needed to do what you were doing, yep. like to have the business back, yep. the growth that you were trying to achieve. Um, how yep. did you find that as like being so young at that point and so fresh?
1: Yeah. I mean, most of the time it was actually like, whenever I would talk to my friends about it, I would always be like, I'm the biggest proponent of being like, you know, you have to advocate for yourself and do this and do that. And then whenever it comes down to it, it's a lot more difficult. And I, I, we did have a lot of struggles where the online store wasn't getting the support that I felt like we needed. And I really had to, you know, I was surrounded by people that have been in business for 15, 20, 30 years, and they have so much more experience in that sense. And so it's definitely hard to, you know, be like a fresh person who's not even fresh out of uni, still at university, you know, Demanding like a bigger pay and more resources, more budget, like, and having to make a case for it, and kind of like making it up as I went in a way, but having to show that I also knew what I was talking about. It was like a very weird kind of balance to strike because I didn't know everything, but I needed to know a lot at the same time. And so, just trying to figure out like, how can I make a case for whatever I was advocating for against these people that have been in business for so long and it didn't work all the time. And they, you know, they would give me feedback. And that was one of the greatest things about working there that it was a very chill company to work for. And if they thought that I would like sometimes step over the line, which it's definitely, I I definitely did because I, you know, I was trying to figure out the balance between being assertive and, you know, saying what I need, what I want. And also you still have to be very respectful about it. And it's like a very tough line to strike sometimes and so I was always very appreciative that you know if I really hit the mark they would be like that you made a great case for that but if I kind of came at them in the wrong way and they weren't receptive to it that would give me reasons why that is um so I feel like I went in a bit of a tangent but I feel like that kind of answered the question
0: no that's exactly yeah forget about what the original (laughs) question was that's the beautiful thing about podcasts you just end up talking about the things in very roundabout ways um No, I I feel like that, yeah, that learning curve, not everyone gets that, obviously, in their first role. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. it was also something that you kind of earned by being so determined and persevering so quickly through, like, the different stages of that business to get to that spot. Like, they they recognised that your youth was, like, an asset but also something that could be, like, cultivated, I guess.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's tough being young in that sense because... You are figuring out what you're doing and you also have to know, and I've learned this over time as well, that you may feel like you know everything, but you don't. And even now, I I often feel like I know everything, but I know that I don't. And I know looking back in three or four or five years, I'm going to be like, okay, like maybe I should have handled that differently or this differently. But I think it's important to not let the fear of like, okay, maybe I'll like misstep or whatever it might be stop me from trying. Because if I had never, if I was always like, oh, I'm young. Like I can't ask for more money. I can't ask for a bigger budget. I can't do this. Then it would never have happened. It was just because I was like, what is the worst thing that can happen is they say no. Like they're not going to fire me because I asked for something. As long as I can make a case, the worst thing that can happen is I say no. And it's just having the courage to actually go out and do it and i will say that it's definitely easier and such a small knit company because you know we're all if it was like a huge corporation it's a very different ball game and i can't really speak to that because i haven't worked um in a big corporation i've actually been quite fortunate that i've you know tend to you know stay on the smaller business side um so i, I do think it's like a different scenario if you work for a big corporation but it's just having the courage to be like, this is what I want. This is what I need. And this is the reasons to back it up. And that's the the biggest thing as well. Not just saying like, I I want more money. Like we all do. We all want to be millionaires. But having, being able to prove the reasons why you are worth that money is like the number one thing, basically.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, And then moving to New York, obviously you touched on the fact that that was a bit of, you know, That was a leap of faith, Um, but I want to put in context for everyone. Before Belle left, the last time I saw her before she moved to New York, she was like, I'm giving myself a year. You know, most people say it takes like eight to ten months to find a job. It's fine. If I have to Mm -hmm. work in a cafe or something, I'll just do that. Worst comes to worst. I've spent a year in New York and it will be great, like blah, 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 blah. I think the first time we phoned after you got there, you already had your interview Mm -hmm. for the job you currently are now in. And yeah, we had been expecting you to like grind for like six months, like just like yeah. interviews, resumes, everything. But also I didn't even expect you to get an interview for the first two months, not because I didn't think you were good enough, yeah, but because <laughs> you're an expat in New York City working in e-commerce, which is a very you know, popular industry to be involved with. Yes. Um, tell me mm-hmm. what that felt like and how, yeah, how you sort of came to that in the same way
1: yeah i i look back on that now and that's still probably one of the biggest things that i'm proud of that it just happened so quickly because i was the same i exactly like you said i was fully prepared to work in a cafe i would have worked in retail no matter what it was is if it gave me extra time to stay because on the visa that i was on you had to have a job within three months like didn't really matter which job it was you just had to have a job within three months to be able to stay um And so, yeah, I was fully prepared to do whatever it took. And then, um, it was really by, it was kind of fate that I was connected to this company. And, you know, I was grinding, like I was sending out resumes. I was like connecting with people on LinkedIn, like even, you know, signed up for LinkedIn premium. And I would just message people out of the blue and be like, Hey, can I work for you? Obviously in better terms than that. But, um, I think that When I got that offer, and actually when I remember um, when I was connected to this guy, Lewis, and I like looked on the website, the brands that uh, were were featured on the website were like Beauty Blender, CoverGirl, and I was like, oh my God, like this is some real shit. Like this is an actual company working with big brands. And the imposter syndrome definitely set in because I was like, I don't know if I can do this because I've only worked for smaller Aussie family owned brands on the brand side, let alone, I've never really been on the agency side. They're working with these huge brands. I was like, I don't know if I can do this, but then I would get on the call and I'd be like, yeah, I'm amazing. Like, this is what I can do. This is what I've delivered in the past. And then I'd get off the call and be like, wait, what? Like, who am I? Like, I have no idea what I just said. Um, and then I remember getting, like when the interview started to progress along, I was like, I, this actually could be a real thing. And then when they sent me over the offer, I think I must've like squealed the apartment block down. I was so excited to actually have that offer in hand, like to be offered a project manager position in New York city for an agency that works with amazing brands. Uh, it was a real pinch me kind of moment. And even now I'll be on calls and stuff occasionally. And I'm like really you know close to these brands. Now that I work with, we get along so well. And I do catch myself sometimes like there'll be a moment on a call where I answer something like super technical and I'm like oh I actually know that like I've I've learned so much but I still get those pinch me moments where I'm like I'm actually in New York City like working as a project manager with amazing brands like I don't really there's nothing else that I would have wanted basically.
0: Yeah it's a pretty you know it is a pinch me scenario it's one of those things that people talk about doing but to actually achieve it and in the way that you yeah. have like yeah, it's mm-hmm. impressive. Um, I know that I <laughs> brag about you whenever I can. So. <laughs>
1: the- I love it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's been a super exciting ride, and I really didn't know if I would stick out more than a year, but it sounds so corny, but I came to New York, and I fell in love, and I was like, this is where I was meant to be. Like, Even if it's for two years, if it's for five years, if it's for 50 years, I have no idea, but... I was like, this is for right now, this is definitely where I, I'm meant to be. Um, and I think that's another thing as well. It's so easy to be like, oh, well, what's the point? If you're only going to live there for a year or two, it's so much effort to like uproot your life and move everything over and then move everything back. But for me, if I, for whatever reason, had to move back to Australia tomorrow, I would be so sad, but I'll always be so happy that I took the opportunity to do this. And it really does come down to I was determined to do it, so come hell or high water, I was moving to New York, I was going to make it happen. And then also having that really strong support system in place does make a huge difference. And I I don't know where I would be without that kind of support system, but the two elements together just kind of created something pretty magical.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of like perseverance through it because you talked about the support that you had like from your friends and family, but I know that you also felt like at times that there was some resistance in your life or even mm-hmm. like when you first went to New York, like, like really you were, you were a small fish in a big pond again, in a way that like, yes. you know, yes. on a really, really big level. Um, and how did you sort of, yes. how did you manage that? How did you not let those sort of like negative expectations or like negative thoughts take over that experience for you?
1: Yeah, it's actually a really good question. I think most of the time I just, I allow myself to have times where I let the, out kind of set in like I think sometimes if you like always just blocking it then you never really acknowledge it but I like to kind of acknowledge like how I'm feeling and then remind myself of everything that I've already achieved and if I've already achieved this much like of course I can do this meeting or of course I can do this job interview or, or you know whatever it might be of course I can take this client like I'll figure it out but I think a lot of the time it's you kind of think about if you're getting doubt, like, oh, block it, like, just don't think about it. I often think it's important just to take it in and be like, okay, why am I feeling this way? And then kind of counteract that and be like, okay, if I, for example, these days, if I got a new client, I, even now I still get nervous about it. And then I'll say to myself, like, why am I feeling like that? Because I've already had 10, 15 clients and that it's all been great. So why would this be any different? And I think it's just a matter of not letting that fear or that doubt over take the good part or like the good feelings and no matter what it is if you know even if you're working as a sales assistant in store and you want to ask for an extra 50 cents an hour you can always make a case as to why you deserve that because you can show your past experience like okay this is how great I am with customers this is how great I am at cleaning the store like I think that it's just making sure that you have that um the backing to kind of you know move you forward
0: yeah you have to you you have to be your own champion kind of thing that's you know
1: yes you have to be your biggest advocate because everyone else will support you but if you're not the person at the forefront pushing yourself forward and advocating for yourself no one else will do it ever and even you know I have a really great relationship with my parents and they will always support me but they can't go in and ask for my pay raises for me or you know, talk to my clients, like that's, they're my support system, but it, it ultimately comes down to me asking for what I want and what I deserve basically.
0: Yeah. It's so important. It's yeah. And it's, it's awesome to have people around you as well that do, do that. Like surrounding yourself with the right kind of people is a big factor in that Right. because it shows you that definitely it's possible, but also that it's how it could and should be. Um, I think, yeah. Particularly being, yeah, young women not having that kind of headspace rewarded all the time. Like, you know, we obviously live in like a very different world than 50 years ago, but I personally still feel right. that there's quite definitely. a lot of resistance to young women yep. who really know their mm-hmm. value, particularly in a career and like workplace setting.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's tough. Um, I will say I personally have felt very supported in my career over the, you know, how many years I've been working. Um, but it is always tough, especially being a young woman, because as I said before, it's like a very fine line between, you know, if you're asking for a pay raise or you're talking to your boss about something that they did or that a customer did or something and you have to be assertive. But I think it can be a little bit misconstrued. Like often if women Uh, assertive they're like oh she's bossy she's you know bitchy whatever it might be but if a man is assertive it's often seen in a different way and like that's a very generic statement I will say but I do feel like there is extra pressure as like a young woman to not be emotional. Like, you know, sometimes things happen at work and of course we get emotional, but I think there's often such a negative connotation that's added. Like if, you know, something happens at work and I'm upset, like why can't I just be upset about it? It doesn't mean that I'm not good at my job. It doesn't mean that I can't, you know, level out my emotions. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, whatever it might be, it just I think there's just like that extra pressure as a woman and especially as a young woman to, you know, be assertive, but not be, quote unquote, like bitchy. And it's a it's a tough balance to strike, I will say.
0: I feel like so many industries and so many people are still adjusting to the fact that it's not a male dominated space anymore. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like with different people in any you know way shape or form from any sort of identity like you're going to have a different experience in the way that they deal with pressure in the way that they deal with conflict in the way that they deal with success and like people's reactions to that should be irrelevant to who they are on the identity Mm -hmm. spectrum you know what I mean like you should be able to turn up to work as Bell senior project manager and take on that role and take on those experiences however it best suits you And John from down the hall, who's also senior project manager can do that in a completely different way, but it doesn't negate either of you existing in that same space.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. And I think it, it often comes down to a lot of company culture as well. In my current company, um, all of my managers are women and so never have I felt not supported being a woman because all my managers are women. And I think that's really unique as well. And it would be really interesting to see how the dynamics would shift if I had a male, you know, manager, I'm not saying it would be better, not saying it would be worse, but I'm sure there would be like a, a definite shift in the dynamics there. Um, so I, th- yeah, I think being a woman in business is only better when you're supported by other women in business and even just like listening to things like this, knowing that, you know, you can do it at like whatever age.
0: Yeah. And on the age thing, because you are obviously still quite young, you know, you're only in your mid twenties, Mm -hmm. but you're a senior project manager of an e-commerce firm in New York. Like it feels like you're very much in your career, but at the same time, I can imagine that it also might feel like you're just at the very early stages and how, Do you feel you've you've gone about figuring out what it is you want to do and keeping that sort of vision in your head as you move through different roles?
1: Yeah, I think um, I kind of fell into the whole e-commerce thing. And even when I moved to New York, I say fell as in like fell with determination, but Um, when I moved to New York, I had actually said before I moved, I think I want to move out of e-commerce. Like I wasn't sure if that's the space that I wanted to be in, but when I came across the company that I currently work at, I was like, this is actually really great. It's a a totally different world to the e-commerce that I was doing before. And not that, that e-commerce world was bad. It was just different. It was a much smaller scale. Like these are huge brands that we're working with. And, um, yeah, so I think that I kind of fell into that whole e-commerce space, And it's definitely been tough because I have worked in e-commerce now for six years and e-commerce has changed so much in six years. But again, I'm like, I am still quite young. And then I think it's often age is equated to experience in the sense that if you're 40, yes, you have been in business for, maybe you've been in business for 30 years. But does that mean that that experience is, you know directly related to the current role because you know we work a lot in shopify and shopify hasn't been around for that long so like anyone that says like oh i've worked in shopify for 15 years it's like you really can't have so it's almost like a blessing in the sense that the e-com space is still quite new because i'm like growing along with it but it's definitely been challenging because you know people know that i'm young and I will sometimes put that out into the universe as well. And like, I joke about it and stuff, but it's definitely, I don't think it's held me back in my career at all. It just changes the way I have to like address some conversations. And I do feel like I constantly have to reprove that I am good at my job and I'm not good at my job for my age. I am good at my job period. And I think that's something that I'm always struggling with. It's like, Um, even with like pay and stuff, you know, a lot of people were saying like, Oh, you have, you get such a good salary for your age. And I just do not like that statement because like, what does that mean? I like, I get paid what my job title is. It's not a good salary for my age because you shouldn't necessarily just have to wait until you're 40 to then get this amazing salary that you've been working your whole life for. Like, why can't I have that, you know, now in the next few years, if I'm doing that job, um, so that's kind of like one of a few of the things that I've like struggled with being quite young. It's definitely like that internal doubt. Um, also, you know, I'm sure that some people might meet me and like, Oh, like she's super young. Like, is she going to know what she's talking about? And then, I mean, all of my clients being like very receptive to me and we get along really well. And I think that's a benefit of me being young. Cause I approach things in like a different way. Um, so yeah, that's another tangent that I went
0: on (laughs) we love the tangents the tangents are where the good stuff is
1: yes um exactly (laughs) and so like you know going
0: through these stages and like yeah striving for these things which you have earned Mm -hmm. in the way that you've applied yourself to your job what's been the biggest lesson you've sort of learned in trying to reach those next levels you talked a little bit earlier about like the fact that you know you don't know everything right now and you need to remember that when you're Mm -hmm. going through things and also like this idea that yeah you have earned a certain level of like pay and a certain level of respect that some people mightn't equate with someone at your age. But what do you feel like has helped you push to those higher levels and really like gain that experience that you wanted?
1: I think just always having something that I'm like next I'm working towards next. And so like when I started at One Rockwell, I was a project manager and basically from the minute that I started, I knew I had so much to learn, but I was like, what's the next thing for me? Because I need to have something to work towards because if I'm just sort of doing my job, like I'll obviously do a good job, but I need to have that extra push. And so basically from the day that I started and I knew that a senior project manager was on the horizon, I was like. I want to do that. Like that's, that's me. And so anything that I was doing in like the first year or so was to push towards getting that senior project manager title. Um, so I would always chat with my boss, like, what else can I do, and we like put a plan in place, and that really helped me reach that goal. And then now that I'm a senior project manager, I'm like, what's next for me? And like, oh, you know, I'll be a senior PM for a, another maybe year or two, who knows? And then, I'm, but I'm already looking at like, what's the next goal? Because I need to figure out what experience I need. Like, I need to figure out the resources that I need, whether that's at work, whether it's externally um so the next position that I might you know aim for is like head of design and build or head of whatever it might be and so I then I kind of look at that as my next role and then what kind of you know roles and responsibilities that would have and see where my gaps are and I think it's really important to acknowledge that you can be really great at your job but there's still going to be gaps that you need to fix and I think it's acknowledging that you are good but there are things that you can work on that's going to help you get to that next step basically
0: and have you been able to cultivate like any sort of mentorship relationships within your current job or do you feel like you've sort of just sort of bounced off the people that you're around at any given time and used that to like align your wants with like your mm. personal experience
1: yeah i've actually it's a good question i definitely see my relationship with like my, I have like kind of three bosses. Um, I see my relationship with my main boss. She has really been a mentor for me. Um, and from like the day that I started, I was like, this woman is just something else. Like she just has it together. Like every time she would talk to clients, like no matter how sticky the situation was, she would always find a way to like turn it around and be positive And you know, she has so many things like she's the director of client services and she's juggling like a million things like employees, clients, like pissed off clients, happy clients. And just seeing her working day in, day out, I was like, oh, this woman is amazing. And so I have always like leaned to her for advice on, you know, whether it be client stuff, whether it be internal stuff, you know, how do I build relationships with other people on the team? Um, And then of course, like my next you know, career growth. And I have said to her and my other bosses, like, I eventually want your jobs. Like you guys will move up and on and whatever it might be. And I was like, I want your job, like not in, I'm going to steal it from you, but like, that's what I'm striving to. And they've always been such a big support in making sure that they are helping me to get there as well. And I think it's, I've always had to be very open about that and say, you know, I want your job. Like, what can I do to get it? Because they're obviously doing the same thing as well. Like, they're looking at their bosses saying, "Um, I want your job. And so, like, everyone's going to obviously move up and just having that kind of mentorship and um, so that's, like, probably, like, the biggest one. But then every other person that I work with, whether it's a project manager, whether it's a developer, whoever it might be, they have all kind of mentored me in a way as well because they've had... Different experiences in the industry. Um, and you know, coming from Australia and compared to America, we like deal with things a little bit differently. You know, in America, it's very okay, like, toot your own horn, like, there is no tomorrow. Like, you have to tell everyone how great you are. Um, but in Australia, I think that's kind of frowned upon a little bit more. Like, you're not, you don't go into an interview and you're like, I'm the best, I need this job, whatever. It's a bit more like a relaxed, and I think that's just our culture. Like, we're very chill overall. Um, So even just learning how to kind of work in business in America versus in Australia, just everyone that I have worked with has mentored me in some kind of way, which I think is really great. Like I I do love everyone that I work with. So if anyone's listening, love you all.
0: It obviously indicates as well that you've got a good work culture in the sense that you feel like there's that sense of connection with the people that you've been around and everything like that too. Um, and you've talked about a few different instances, like having to advocate for yourself and negotiate and like, you know, put things on the table. Um, what do you think the biggest lesson that you've learned in that space is? Because I think that I know for myself, one of the most daunting things that I've ever thought about is negotiating like a pay, you know, amount or, Mm -hmm. you know, just negotiating general work conditions, given that like, I guess maybe I've lent into the narrative that like, that's not something that women do or that's not that space. Yeah. And yeah, is it just like an overarching lesson that you feel like you've really like taken away from all your experiences in doing that?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest one is to, you know, go in and be prepared. But I actually found that not expecting yourself to do it perfectly was a big one because I would always stress that, oh, like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I phrase this sentence kind of weird? What if I, you know, you know, when you get like really nervous and like sometimes your voice starts to crack, like what if that happens on the call? They're going to see me as weak, like, oh, and I used to stress about those kinds of things. And then I kind of leaned into the fact that everyone knows that negotiation conversations are really difficult. They're not easy for the person who's asking for the pay. It's not easy for the person who is listening and potentially giving the raise. And so I kind of, you know, tried to teach myself to lean away from having this like perfect conversation for whatever I'm asking for. And, you know, you practice it in the shower and you're like, you have a script and stuff, but also just being very okay with if you stumble upon your words, if you, if your voice cracks, if you say something that sounds really weird or like a phrase that you probably didn't want to say, it's not a big deal. And I think, you know, for me going into negotiations or just like even like performance reviews, just knowing that it's, it's not going to go perfectly, but that's okay. It doesn't mean that I don't deserve the money any less because I stumbled or because my voice cracked or something. It just means that it's a tough conversation to have, and that's totally fine. Um, so I think that it's definitely, again, like a balance between you do need to go unprepared. You can't just like wing it. And, you know, if you're asking for pay, you know, why do you deserve the pay? Um, what resources back this up? You know, you can't just be like, oh, I want to be senior project manager and I want to be paid a million dollars. It's not like that's not industry standard. And so making sure that you obviously have that, um, you know, the information behind you, but then just practicing and then also just being like, this is not going to be perfect, but like, let's just do it. Because as I said before, the worst thing that can happen is a say no, like the world is not going to end. The sun will still rise in the morning. You know, obviously it's, it can be emotional. And, um, you know, there's been times where I've cried on the subway on the way home, but that's okay. And I think that's all a, it's, that's part of learning what it is to be in business. And, you know, it's not ideal to cry on the subway, but sometimes you just have to do it.
0: Sometimes you've got to do it. Yeah. I think exactly. And that's the thing, isn't it? Right. It's the full spectrum of the experience. Like we often talk about like, Mm -hmm. you know, business and work life and things like that as like in the meeting room. And that's all we talk about. We talk about how do you negotiate the deal at the table? But yeah, we very rarely talk about how do you feel when you go home? Like you might feel ecstatic you might feel completely deflated even if you got what you wanted like I know as well that feeling of like yeah going in advocating for yourself getting what you need and then you walk out and yeah you got what you wanted and you're happy but like it takes that like hit and you have to like Mm -hmm. sit with it for a second and feel whatever it is that your like body is feeling to the like reaction of that situation
1: definitely yeah for sure yeah it is, it's a I mean, negotiations, even if it's not a negotiation, even if it's just like a performance review, they're really tough conversations to have. And I think it's good to not shy away from the fact of acknowledging that they are really tough. And I think that no matter how many times you do them, I can't imagine them getting that much easier. Like I'm sure over my lifetime I'm gonna negotiate many times more and some are gonna go really well and some are gonna be absolute disasters, and that's okay because that helps to take a bit of the pressure away as well that things aren't always going to go your way and I like things to go my way I really do but I think that's one thing that I've had to kind of teach myself as well that you know just because you want something doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get it and that doesn't mean that you're not good at your job or you're not a good person it just wasn't right for right now so yeah
0: yeah I think that's all super valuable like insight as well because it can be difficult when you're I know, like I'm still studying, so I'm like not in my actual career yet. But I'm looking at it. I can see it. Mm -hmm. I'm like the finish line is within sight. Yeah. And once I pass that finish line, I'm really going to be pursuing my career really hard. And it's it's difficult to know when you're at this stage.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. What is it like? What is it actually going to be like? What's actually out there? What's actually waiting for me? Because yeah, like I feel ready to go in some ways, but I also know mm-hmm. that I like, don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I also know that like, I haven't studied for seven and a half years and done all the other work that yes. I've done to doubt myself from the get-go. Like when you're stepping into those roles. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And-
1: yeah. I think you always just have to remember that everyone started in that place. Like no one, you know, everyone didn't used to have a career and They stepped into it and it's super nerve wracking. And I think it's just fine to be like, okay, like I really don't know. Because even when I started working at my first company, I kind of evolved, and that was a different way to kind of approach it compared to, uh, you know, some people who, you know, they'll work a casual job to support themselves through university and then that's like the end of it. And then they'll step into their new, you know, career path. Whereas mine kind of evolved, so it's definitely hard for me to say. So I haven't had that moment where I'm like, oh, like looking ahead, like I haven't started my career yet. Mine kind of just like evolved over time. But then I also look at what is going to be, you know, next to me in the future, because I'm like, I can't imagine, you know, doing e-commerce in this particular way for the next 40 years. Like what is going to happen? Like, will I shift careers? Will I go back to the brand side? Will I make my own business. I don't know. And I think that's maybe like the same thing that it's that level of uncertainty, but you'll figure it out when it happens. That's like the lamest advice, but it it's so true. Like you, once you get to that situation, you're like, oh, like that makes a lot of sense now.
0: It's about trusting your gut as well. Like getting yes. to a point where you trust those, you know, internal little messages that your brain and your yep. body are sending you when you're making decisions because you know, yeah, yep, like that's, that's what leads you down, you know, pathways that you feel comfortable with, even if it doesn't give you the result that mm-hmm. you maybe expected because you know that you were like true yeah. to your intuition around those things as well as like being career-minded and definitely. business-minded.
1: Yeah, definitely, for sure. Agreed.
0: Um, I wanted to touch briefly on like I know that in our personal conversations we've talked about, you know, criticism that people have like raised or comments that people make that are just – infuriating at the best of times (laughs) which you know (laughs) connect to being yeah being a young woman who has like a career mindset who has like a striving mindset and I just sort of wanted to ask you like Mm -hmm. if there was any particular things that you feel like have been leveled against you that you just find super frustrating and maybe even that you find you don't think would be said or like indicated towards you know maybe a young man or an older man in your position if you were doing the same sort of thing
1: Yeah, I think one that really grinds my gears is um, you're so lucky to be in the position that you are. And sometimes, like I know when people say that, they, they mean it from a good place. It's like, you know, look at what you're doing. It's amazing, exciting, whatever it might be. But nothing that I have achieved is luck because it's not luck that I managed to figure out how to move to New York City. And I saved. I got a visa. I figured out everything basically. And it's not luck that I put myself out there day in day out for months, meeting new people, um, going to a new job, all of that. Like none of that is luck. And I think it's I'm as I've said before. Like I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I am. And I had, you know, a really great upbringing. My parents were super supportive. And that's a a very different scenario for some people. Like I knew that if I fell flat on my face, my parents would be there to support me, whether that was just like support over the phone, whether I needed money, whatever it might be, I had that support, but I still don't think it's luck what I've achieved. And I don't know if it's necessarily something that, you know, men here, it might be, it might not be, It's, it's hard for me to say, but I don't that's one sentence that I think people need to kind of rephrase the way they think about that. Because as I said, I just don't think that you get into positions like I am with luck because, you know, you don't just get positions handed to you on a platter. Um, Another one that I think is kind of tough is, and we've definitely touched on it before is being assertive um, as a woman and how that kind of plays out Um, I can't really think of any scenarios specifically where this has been an issue but I just know that the general rhetoric around women and emotions and things like that is that you know you, you can't be emotional and you know you can't be bossy so you have to always be you know leveling how you're saying things and that is true to some degree but I think it's it's different for a woman because if I get emotional on a call or if I get a little bit snappy then that's misconstrued in a really negative way whereas sometimes a lot of the time if a man does it it's just like oh that's just business or like he's just really passionate about his role it's not seen in the same light so those are probably two things that I think are damaging to women in business and then for young women in business I think um equating experienced age as in I am, I'm 25. I cannot have had more than seven years of experience. Like unless I start, I mean in my industry and unless I started working when I was like 14 or something, but even still, even if I had started working in e-commerce when I was 14, I still could only have 11 years of experience. And I think it's tough to be just, just sort of say, Oh, like, you know, you're, you don't have enough experience because what does that actually mean? I have seven or six years of really great e-commerce experience. Um, I know what I'm doing. I've got so much to learn. But just because I would have another 20 years under my belt, does that actually make me better at my job? It's tough to say. And so I think that it's definitely, I think that's quite damaging to young people in business because then you also feel that you need to just sit in roles for an extended period of time to make up that age the experience gap basically because it's kind of like oh I'm 25 and I only have seven years of experience I'll just sit as a senior PM for four more years and then after that then I'm at the right age to then move into a management role or something like that so I think that's um, that can be quite damaging from my perspective um, for young people in business and definitely young women in business
0: yeah I think all three of those are such like Yeah, poignant examples. And I think on the luck point, um, the idea, you know, that people are then like, oh, but it's your privilege that has afforded you this sort of space or, like, uh, that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I know from witnessing it and from being around you that often the people who are saying, oh, you're so lucky, actually operate in very similar levels of privilege. They come Mm -hmm. from very similar backgrounds and have similar access to resources and education and everything, and yet they still use that line, even though they themselves do actually have that possibility, like do actually have the money and the family support or like the education to be able to pursue those kinds Mm -hmm. of career moves. And I think that that's when it's the most frustrating because it's like, yes, in the grand scheme of things, relative to a lot of other positions in the world, you know, it's you are fortunate to be where you are. But then when it's people who have that same ability to move and have that same ability to harness their resources to get into a similar space who are then like, Oh no, but it's just luck. And it's like, no, you've made choices and Bell's made choices and you've ended up in different Mm -hmm. spaces.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that anyone's choices are better or worse. It's just, I think it's just the, the way that you frame the luck. And I, as I said before, it definitely comes from like a good place because people want to be like, you're so lucky. Like it's so exciting. It's like, yes, it's exciting, but it's not luck. So I don't even have an alternative for what I would say. Like I actually should probably think about that, but yeah, Taking away the word luck, I think, is my key goal. Yeah,
0: it kind of undercuts a lot of what yeah, the work that is put in.
1: Definitely. And then
0: on that yes, um, definitely. on the point of like age to experience, it's also I think very relevant like relevant, sorry, to your industry. In in like what you said where Shopify hasn't existed for an extended period of time mm-hmm. yet. E commerce is a young person's game in many ways, simply because mm-hmm. that's what we've grown up with, that's what we're used to. And so the ability yep. to like understand and engage with that technology and that kind of mindset as a consumer as well is mm-hmm. so relative to yes. your age and it mm-hmm. needs to be rewarded because yeah. it's basically like on the ground yes. experience and like personal research yeah. that affords you a certain definitely. level of like expertise. Um, yeah. As a benefit to whomever you're working for rather than a negative.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's like the whole thing with social media. um not to say that like all social media managers have to be young, but generally you see that a lot of young people are social media managers because it's so innate for us. Like we just, we get Instagram, we get Facebook. It just makes so much sense. We don't have to think about it because we're just in in it all day, every day. And even um, with the rise of TikTok, like I'm only 25, but if I was to ever move back into social media marketing, I still think I'm like at the the older age bracket of social media in the sense that I look at tick, like we're kind of on TikTok is in the same way that like our parents are on Facebook and I we do stuff that I'm sure the young Gen Zers are like why do you do that like I recently learned on TikTok that skinny jeans are apparently out and I was like wait what and so I think that you know just because they're young you know if you were if you had a social media team I would definitely have someone who was you know, in that younger age bracket, as in like 18, not necessarily running the accounts because maybe they don't have that kind of experience, but having an input because it's that your age at that point is an asset because, you know, they're in it all day, every day. And then that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, they, they're young and you have to like help them with like the other business side of things. But just because they're young doesn't mean they can't do it. If anything, it's like they should be doing it because they're young, because you're going to get better results that way.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing. And it's like value that skill, you know, don't undermine what that can offer a business or a brand. Definitely.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: I know that one of our personal gripes in our friendship that we have come around to time and time again is when people are not as excited about your career moves as they are about what is happening Mm. in your love life. And I know that for Mm. both of us at different times, it's been this funny thing where, you know, you talk about a promotion or a pay rise or a really big job move and that conversation's over in less than 10 minutes so that somebody can ask you, oh, so you're seeing anyone?
1: Mm Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's a big one. And I, I definitely struggle with this one a lot because I think it's just, you know, in society, the things that are awarded as in, you know, I say rewarders and like, you know, you have parties and people celebrate with you, uh, with another person involved. So it's like, you know, you have engagement parties, you have your wedding, you have baby showers, all of that. Like your whole, like everyone celebrates with you because it's such an exciting time in your, in your life, like no questions about it. But then it's so easy, as you said, just to like, Oh, you got a promotion. Like, that's amazing. Like, let's go out for a nice dinner. And like, that's it it's not that ongoing conversation as, you know, and it's also kind of like, oh, so like, you know, you got a promotion. That's amazing. Like, what does that mean if you want to become a mum one day? And it's like, that's a totally different conversation. And, you know, I don't, you know, women, not all women want to have kids. And it's definitely tough that so much of the stuff that we celebrate is connected to a partner. And I, yeah, I definitely struggle with that. A lot because, you know, maybe I want to throw a promotion party and have people bring me gifts because I got a promotion because maybe I won't have kids. Maybe I won't get married. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future. But it's just it's definitely sometimes disappointing that um, people don't see that in the same light. Having said that, I'm very fortunate with majority of the people that surround myself with. We all think in the same way. And I can't think of one person in my life that wouldn't celebrate those kinds of achievements with me Um, it's just more of like a societal thing that you know marriage and that traditional like life path is definitely celebrated more than being like a boss woman and getting promotions and getting pay raises and starting your own business and things like that
0: yeah I think the most damaging thing is like the expectation that we already know what the plan is because you know, like you yes. said, like you get a promotion, and the, like people will ask you, "Oh, so what does that mean if you want to have kids?" And it's like, look, obviously, like you think about your future. Obviously, you, you know, and I know mm-hmm. that pretty much every young woman that I'm friends with has we've had a conversation at some point or another about what that means when you do want to, you know, if you do want to get married or have yeah. children. Like, what, what does that mean for your career? You know, we talk about those things in like you know the big picture, much like, well, when am I going to buy a house? You know, how does that fit into my travel plans? It's the same kind of conversation. And Mm -hmm, it feels really limiting when, yeah, you're celebrating a moment. And as a Mm -hmm. female, you're expected to know how exactly the baby making and the Mm -hmm. marriage fits into your career rather than it just being something that, like, is a potential on the horizon that you'll address and you'll think about and you'll make choices about when it's there, like, when it's actually happening. Like, it's not relative to your current experience so why are you asking me about that
1: yeah yeah totally agree 100 it's kind
0: of like asking someone Oh, so yeah. but i thought you wanted to retire in sydney if you took a job in new york
1: and it's like yeah it's like wait wait
0: what like what? if i want to <laughs> like, do that that's down the track i'll do that down the track and i'll, I'll make those yeah. choices then but right now yeah i've made this decision and it's taking me on a path that i'm like excited about and that i'm happy about like let's focus Definitely. on this one first yes
1: yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. That's a really good point actually. And I'm, cause I'm like, I have no idea what the future holds. I'm not going to make all of my life decisions based on the fact that I may or may not get married. I may or may not have kids. Like I need to kind of, you know, live in the moment to a degree and I need to, you know, if I, you know, cause a lot of, when I moved, I was 24. And that's kind of the age where people kind of like, Oh, like what, what if you find someone overseas? It's like, okay, cool. I will figure that out when I get there. And like a lot of, um, the conversations we have, you know, as friends around dating, like if you date an American, like what, what does that mean for like moving back to Australia? I'm like, I just, I don't know because I don't have all the answers all the time. It, it could mean, we break up it could mean that we move to Mexico it could mean that we move to the moon I don't know it's just like it's hard to have the answers to everything all the time and yeah that definitely goes back to the whole whenever I feel like whenever women kind of have something to celebrate there's always a but if or what if in line with that and that's definitely tough like let's just celebrate this promotion and whatever I need to figure out in the future we'll do that then
0: and also trusting that like the individual person knows what's best for them And like what they want, you know, like, yes, we have thought about it. Don't worry. (laughs) Like, you know, it's, yeah, but it's not, I thought about every single scenario. It's not necessarily a conversation to have. It's not necessarily someone else's like, right. To know what our plan is or what our own personal thoughts about like our future is in that sense. Because at the end of the day, like, yeah, your relationships and your potential family are private. It's not work. It's not business. Like, if you want to talk about those things you have to be at a certain level of personal intimacy with someone to really know the answers to the questions yep. and they shouldn't be questions that are being Definitely. asked in the wrong kind of conversation yeah i just think it yeah it's it's those kinds of things that reinforce these dialogues that we have about women in the workforce even from mm-hmm. people who are very yes. supportive of the concept i guess of women in the workforce yes
1: yes no i agree that's a really good point yeah
0: do you feel that um, you are pretty set in New York? Then you're good for a bit. You think you're gonna stick. You're gonna stick it out over there for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think at this stage, I I think I'm like really at this stage. I'm planning to do like another five to ten years. Um, again, no idea if that will play out. But that's kind of I, I see my life in New York. And I actually, I often get asked like, What are you when are you moving back? And I'm like. I don't know, maybe never, maybe next year. I really have no idea. But for me, my life is in New York and I miss Australia and elements of being in Australia. Like, I miss you and I miss my friends and I miss my dogs and I miss my family so much. But for me, like, New York is home and it's not just being, it's not just like I can make a decision tomorrow and be like, oh, back we go to Australia. Like, I have to pack up everything. Like, I have accumulated a whole life here in New York and I have furniture and I have clothes and. I have a lease, like I have a credit card here. I have a whole life in New York and I just can't imagine giving that up in the next few years and who knows what's gonna happen. But I think for me for right now, um, yeah, I see myself here long-term. Hopefully my apartments will get bigger along the way Um, and I'll one day have a, a penthouse overlooking Central Park or something, but yeah, for right now, I'm pretty set here in New York and I'll always be so happy that I made the leap to move here.
0: I feel like, you know, you and I, we both moved to go to university um, and then you've obviously yeah. moved again, you know, overseas. But I think mm-hmm. the yeah. feeling that you have in New York is the feeling I had when I moved to Melbourne and it's been yeah. really awesome as, you know, a bystander to watch you find that because you were very happy in Melbourne and you really made a life for yourself here. Yeah. But there was something missing. There was.
1: Yeah. The itch was always there. Ever since I
0: first met Belle, there was always, Mm -hmm. there was something that was waiting to be fully fulfilled and recognized in like yourself. And I think, yeah, you've found that in, in New York city.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I I agree. I, I love my life in Melbourne. I really did. Like, everyone around me in Melbourne was amazing. And, you know, university, I got to meet amazing people like you, but just like New York, I, I had this moment. I remember when I had got off the plane, two suitcases, going to an Airbnb with two random guys that I had booked for a month. And I just remember driving into the city and this, the, the feeling that I had, I was just like, it was, I can't even explain it. I was just like, holy shit. Like, New York has been waiting for me like I am about to make this my city and I still even now I live in Brooklyn every time I go over the Williamsburg Bridge and you like look across at the skyline it's such a pinch me moment because I'm like I live in this city like I am an Aussie and I live in New York City and I'm so comfortable in this city like I know the city and it's just such a an amazing feeling and I I have those pinch me moments like Maybe once a week, normally when I'm going over the bridge, but occasionally if I'm just like in the city and it's just like insane for me because I I agree. I feel like in Melbourne, I always felt like there was something missing. I'd always said I want to travel and I want to live overseas and there was I wanted to do something else and I still want to travel now, but I don't have that that itch in the same way. Like I want to travel in like shorter periods isn't like go to Mexico for two weeks, go to Europe for a month. I don't want to like uproot my whole life again. Um so yeah, I, I I love New York, so I'm gonna stick it out for a bit longer.
0: No, I love that. I love all of that. You just prompted a question yeah. before we sort of go into the final couple of points. Um, but yeah. how do you create balance for yourself as being, you know, a young independent person, as being someone who has a whole city to explore because you didn't, you know, grow up there mm-hmm. and it's a new experience. But also, you know, you work really hard and you have long hours and you do a lot in your career. Do you have you managed to sort of cultivate that like level of like exploration and youth alongside such like, you know, a striving career?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think that I I really try um, and I've gotten better at this over the past um, year, like, you know, with the pandemic and everything working from home, it's a a lot harder to have that work life balance. Um, And I, so basically now I make sure that, you know, what do I really like to do on weekends? I like to brunch. I like to go out for drinks. I like to do dinner. um, I like to watch Netflix and I like to explore the city, you know, here and there. I don't do a lot of exploration anymore because I feel like it's my city now. I'm like, I don't need to explore it as much. Um, but I think making sure that I do stuff on the weekends for me, that's going to reset me for the week ahead is super, super important. I think when I was working in Australia, again, because I was really young, I was like, I need to work these extra hours. I can't deliver anything late. I need to you know, basically I feel like I need to be perfect all the time. Whereas now I think there's a lot more leniency to be like, actually, I'm not going to get this done by Friday because I had X, Y, and Z fall onto my plate. And it's going to have to wait till Monday because I don't want to work on the weekend. And my company is really great at promoting that work-life balance. And I think on the, the weekend, I really do try and let my like professional self kind of go. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need to, you know, not post stuff on social media. Like I I will post that I'm out drinking because that's what I like to do because my work doesn't define who I am and I still get to enjoy my life outside of work. And so I think it's really just making sure that when I have time off on the weekend, I do what makes me happy and I'm not going to, you know, trek around the city every weekend exploring all the different boroughs. I might see something new like every month or every two months But also just like making sure I don't feel the pressure to, because a lot of people will say to me like, like why are you sitting at home? Like you live in New York. I'm like, yeah, there's so much to do here, but it's also my home. So I have, oh yeah, I have the next five years to explore the city and I'm not going to exhaust myself, you know, exploring every weekend when this actually is home. And I think that's really important to actually be like, yes, I live in New York and that's super exciting, but it doesn't mean that I have to, you know be busy all the time I can actually just lay in bed all day and watch Netflix like that's fine even in New York City
0: yeah I think that's like very level-headed of you as most things that you do (laughs) seem
1: to be but yeah and
0: you know leading into that sense of belonging as well like knowing that it is a space where you are and you're going to be and that's yeah that's just part of the journey yes
1: yeah yeah it's definitely my first year um when I wasn't sure if I was staying or not, I was doing a lot more stuff around the city on the weekends. Cause I was like, if I only have one year here, I'm going to make it legendary. But now because I am comfortable in the sense that I, I think I'm going to have a few more years, I don't really feel the need to push myself to explore as much because I'm like, eh, I'll do it next week. If I don't feel like doing it this week, next week, next month, whatever it might be. But it, that definitely comes from A level of security knowing that I can stay and that I want to stay whereas if I made a decision that like okay end of come end of year I'm gonna move back to Australia I'm sure I would spend like the next eight months like zipping around the city like trying to get everything done basically but it definitely comes from the level of knowing that this is my my home and I think that's really great
0: yeah it's really nice as well to hear it as like a friend to like do that for you it's yeah it's awesome (laughs) Um, so yeah. as we get towards the end, is there anything that you mm-hmm. wish people sort of knew or understood more about like this topic and like about your, um, journey with everything to do with being, yeah, a young woman in business?
1: Yeah, I think, um, one of the biggest things for me is just kind of listening to young people and young women in particular in business and how they feel and the grievances they have and the obstacles that they're facing and not necessarily having to come up with a solution to every single one of them, but just kind of listening and, you know, helping to support where you can. Cause I think the more that we talk about these sorts of things, the the more open dialogue that's going to happen. Like I even feel like now just, you know, talking about like women and stuff, I think there is a big shift in, you know, women, just because they show emotions doesn't mean they're emotional. And I think even just talking about that really helps to kind of like bridge that gap. And I also think a huge thing for me as well was talking about it with like friends and family, but also talking about it with someone who has been there and done that. Um, another big reason that I actually ended up making the, the move to New York and into project management was because I signed up to a mentorship program and it was women in marketing and, um, and my mentor really gave me the confidence to do this as well because we were kind of discussing, um, I mean, one session that we had, I was saying to her, you know, like, I have a really good job in Australia. I have, I'm have, i settled, like, is it crazy for me to uproot everything when I'm technically following, like, the norm? Like, I finished university, I've got a job, et cetera. And she really helped to kind of guide me into making that decision to move to New York. And so I think it's a matter of also reaching out to your resources and it can feel like, oh, like what's a mentor really gonna do for me? I think it was life-changing. It's so nice to talk to someone who's been there and done that and is still going through it and they can give you their unbiased opinion, I would say. Um, So I think it definitely starts with having those conversations with family and friends and then also, you know, looking externally at other resources that are available that can help you sort of find your feet in business as well.
0: Yeah, I really, I really back that because I feel like for myself, I don't think any of the doubts I have about my capabilities as a young woman come from myself. I think a Mm -hmm. lot of them come from these narratives that might actually be outdated, but it's really difficult to, to know is what I'm being told or is what I've like taken on subconsciously, Actually outdated and actually not happening anymore, or is it still very much present in like the roles that I'm going to step into? Yes. And until you talk to someone and have them either say like, "Yeah, no, you are going to face X issue," or "No, those things like you know, yes, people Mm -hmm. say them all the time, but it really doesn't happen anymore. It's really not present in this field." And like, this is my experience, and this is how I've moved past it. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know that, and if you're just sitting there as a young person and as a young woman not having that outlet of like conversation and like feedback on like, these are my fears. These are, Mm -hmm. these are what I think I'm up against, you know, am I putting my energy in the right space? Am I working towards the right kind of goals? Like until you get that feedback and that conversation, how does anything really change? Yes.
1: Yes exactly and i think just having the conversations is so important um i think we wouldn't have had the kind of growth that we have had as women in society without having these conversations and so i think it's just a matter of having like just talking to people sometimes i'll chat to mum and dad about things and we won't disagree on like we will disagree on something and i'll say this is my reasons why and they maybe see in a different light and they might help me to see in a different light but just, yeah, just having those conversations and the more we have them, the better they're going to get and the easier they're going to get as well. Um, and I think it's just, it's always, I think it's really important to acknowledge how far things have come, but also how much further they have to go as well. So I think that the conversations is, it's going to be what changes things moving forward. Yeah,
0: definitely. I agree with that. Is there... Any final thoughts or things that you wanted to say or round off from anything you've said earlier?
1: I think my biggest thing takeaway after all of my rambling is basically, if you want something, you are going to make it happen and it's not going to be perfect. And I think that's one really important thing that you will muck up on along the way. There's no doubt about it. And that's okay. You don't have to follow like a perfect path. Things are going to fall apart. Whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in business. And, you know, it's fine for that to happen. I think it's just you got to take that leap of faith and it will pay off in the long run. And all in all, you have to be your number one advocate because no one can advocate for you better than you can advocate for yourself. And that is. Applicable to women in business, men in business, young people, old people, everyone. You have to advocate for yourself because you're not going to get anywhere if you don't.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Backdrop. <Mic>
0: <laughs> um, and the last thing I always ask anyone who comes on is to either share mm-hmm. something that people can do or engage with, or you know, reflect on for themselves mm-hmm. that you think would help them, like sort of, like move. Forward in their understanding of what we've talked about today. Do you have anything that you um can share yeah. with the community?
1: Yeah, I would say if you're um a young woman, not even a young woman in business, if you're at university, I would actually, you know, challenge you to write out if you have come up against any of these things. Are you nervous to ask for a pay raise? Are you nervous to ask your boss for a Another project? Are you nervous to talk to your lecturer about something? And just challenge yourself and see, you know, why are you feeling that way and how can you address that to help you to move forward? Um, So I think just, and then if you can write those down, then also I would challenge you to have a conversation with someone in your life about a challenge that you have faced in business in university and just kind of see what the dialogue is around it and then you would be able to reflect on that and then think about how you can change not change their thought process but you know address that moving forward I guess yeah
0: I love that um bit of self-reflection but also a bit of going out and putting it into the universe yes
1: exactly manifest it
0: well thank you so much Belle, for calling in and for doing this podcast with me I definitely have thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm sure everyone else at home will as well
1: yes thanks so much for having me I was super nervous when we started this so I feel good that we got through it no
0: it's been really great (laughs) great um but, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure that you join the Get Me Started Facebook podcast community if you want to be more involved in the future episodes that are coming up. And if you have any questions or things that you have for Belle, I'm sure she'll be able to respond to a couple of people if anyone has anything they wanted to ask. Definitely. Um, and also,
1: yep, for sure. Chuck us a
0: follow on Instagram at Get Me Started Podcast um, because that's where you'll get the most updates about what's coming next and everything that I've got planned for this season. But, yeah, thanks again, Belle, Um, and enjoy your lovely New York Sunday afternoon.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and I, I hope everyone enjoyed this. It was great.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon.